Uh, the title of our message this morning is called All I Want for Christmas is Peace in the Home. Now, we understand that uh, we really need peace throughout the world. We need peace in our nation with all the things going on. But today, we're really going to focus on peace in the home front, where the enemy of our souls is hard at work. And our hope this morning is that through our story, maybe it'll help some of you who are struggling in your relationships. And we can't think of a better time to do so than during Christmas season of all seasons. Yes, during this busy Christmas time, we are trained to go 100 miles an hour. We're giving, we're shopping, we're cooking, we're bell ringing and float building and angel treeing, and we're taught to be full of joy, happy and grateful on the outside. But for some of us, we're empty and dying inside, lonely and isolated, even though we may be surrounded by a lot of people. Some of us have lost loved ones and our Christmases don't look like they used to. And others of us long for the love and families that we wish we had, but for some reason we don't. And for others, we have everything held together on the outside, but on the inside we are struggling. Struggling with something much more important than gifts and parties. We're struggling with broken or strained relationships. As we enter this Christmas season, it is so easy to get caught up in all of the things that we need to do. However, we hope that you also choose to spend some time working on any relationship that might need repair in your life. Relationships are important to God, and in John 13, 34, he says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now, we acknowledge that God loves all relationships. All relationships are important to him, but today we're going to focus on a topic that's very near and dear to our hearts, and that's marriages. You know, marriages, good or bad, has affected each one of us in this room in some way, shape, or form, and it's going to continue to touch lives uh, for generations to come. You know, it's said that it takes a village to raise a child, but we believe that it takes a church to help sustain good, healthy, strong marriages. You know, over the past few years, we've run into many people. And uh, just recently this past year, you know, I invited some of my high school friends over. Uh, I won't tell you from what class, but uh, we just kind of wanted to catch up. So we had like a a dozen or so different families uh, come over. And and the guys were outside on the lanai uh, talking story. And the women and the kids were inside doing what the women do. And um, the guys started talking about, you know, what we talk about, sports, uh, kids, cars, you know, cool stuff. And after a short while, you know, it kind of digressed into relationships, and of all things, marriage relationships. It wasn't intended, but uh, one of my uh, friends in the group, father of three, uh, very successful in his career, um, working two jobs, he he started kind of sharing his heart and how resentful he was uh, about his wife and and her not picking up the load and, and not doing the things she should be doing in the marriage. And he actually went so far as to say that he was uh, planning to divorce her, uh, which is quite shocking to hear. And, and he was just being brutally honest. And he actually had made plans um, to exit his marriage when the kids grew up. Uh, it was all charted out for him. And shortly after he shared, a couple of the other guys in the group started sharing how they were really upset at their spouses as well. Um, it was just really heartbreaking. And all this talk was going on while the women were in the other room. 
I've been hearing these stories as well. One of my girlfriends who was, who's been married for 15 years, on the outside, everything looks great. She and her husband each have successful careers. Their kids, kids are doing well. One just got into a top private school. But on the inside, she's carrying eight years of hurt and bitterness against her husband who tells her that he does everything and he doesn't consider her job to even be a career. And she's also already thought about how to leave the marriage and how she wants to handle the split custody duties if they get divorced. And then a very close family member of mine, married for 16 years, uh, just recently told me he wonders if he married the right person. He says his wife really doesn't even know him, and she's verbally abusive to him. You know, he's trying to do the right things, trying to please his wife, but he just can't seem to make her happy. You know, in talking to his wife, she feels like she um, doesn't feel the love from him, that he doesn't care about her, that he's lost the love for her. They have a special needs child, which of course makes life that much more challenging. And she feels like she's carrying the weight of the household on her shoulders and that he just doesn't understand. And we can go on and on. What happened to these marriages? These are real-life stories of people who are very close to us. And we were there at the beginning of their marriages. They were in love. They were happy and optimistic and looking forward to their happily ever afters. But what happened and how? All right, so a little bit about uh, Laurie and myself. We've been married for almost 12 years, and prior to that, we were dating for four years. And we are a work in progress, we'll admit. And before we even got engaged, you know, we, we were so excited. We, we wanted to do all things right, and so we took this uh, nine-week pre-marriage class, and it was great. They taught us how marriage should be the most intimate and exhilarating experience uh, in the world, really, We learned um, some cool formulas like the relationship triangle. If you haven't uh, heard of it or seen it, it kind of looks like this. There's uh, three sides to a triangle, right? One is passion, one is intimacy, and one is commitment. And sometimes in life, your passion and your intimacy can kind of fade, but it's the commitment that kind of keeps you strong, right? So we're like, yeah, we're done with that. We, we, We got this. Let's go. Um, So we're excited. We're like, all right, we can do this. And so we even, uh, after the marriage class, they challenged us to come up with some, uh, not vows, but some some golden rules for ourselves. And this is what it looks like. We agree to keep Jesus at the center of our lives. We agree to pray with each other and for each other daily. We agree to say, I'm sorry, we agree to hug and say, I love you every day. And to never stop holding hands. We agree to make all of our big decisions together and to seek God's will in every single one. We agree when we, particularly when we screw up, to take responsibility for our own actions. My bad. Mm -hmm. We agree to speak kindly to each other and to never argue in front of family. Mm -mm. We agree on being best friends through communication, respect, and sacrifice. We agree that showing love is so much more important than being right. And we agree to keep each other the number one party in our lives. So sweet. I love you. I love you. (laughs) So, for the young people in here, for the newlywed, Chad, Ashley, you know, if you want to borrow this list, free of charge. Just come see us afterwards. (laughs) 
But then life happened. After a few years, we had our first child. Rick changed jobs. We moved to a different place. My father-in-law was diagnosed with cancer. He went through a tough chemo and he passed away. Rick got laid off during the recession. And we had our second child all within 20 months. Then to be a responsible provider for our family, Rick took a job that demanded long hours in an industry that he did not want to be in. For me, I now had two kids under two to take care of. So you can see that we were each dealing with our own issues, which are common to couples. But neither of us had the time or energy to take care of the other, and our expectations, realistic or not, were not being met. You know, reflecting back to when Laurie and I were dating, our, our differences really weren't a big deal. Uh, but we definitely had differences. In fact, we had mutual friends that saw us get together, and they were like, this is crazy. No way are they going to end up together. That just yeah. you know, goes to show God has a sense of humor. Um, but when the pressures of life hit, you know, when, when real life stuff was happening, we, we found out that we had different expectations. And uh, our selfish natures, which I think we can all agree, we all can be selfish at times. Those things kind of kind of rise up to the surface and take over. And we actually start to resent all the little differences that at one time we, we might have even loved. And uh, I know for me, my reactions uh, when it came to a lot of different things were like, it's my way or the highway. If she didn't do something that I expected her to do, even though I didn't tell her, I would get, I would get pissed off. And uh, that's kind of like how life was for a time. And eventually, our golden rules, our beautiful golden rules turned into something like this. We agreed to coexist in the house and do our best to tolerate each other daily. We agreed to communicate by giving each other constructive criticism. That's not how you do the dishes. I can't believe you thought that was okay. That's not the way my mom did it. Oh. Mm. Let me hear it, lady. See? <laughs> We agree that kids come first. Babe, take a back seat. Mm. Heck, we don't even agree. You spent how much on what? You let the kids do what? Holding hands, hugs, saying nice things, listening to each other. What? We married already. Forget about it. (laughs) Just take each other for granted. Work, soccer practice, piano lessons, downtime is overrated. It's why God created caffeine. Being busy means we're important, and it adds value to our lives. And when it comes to hurts, get over it. (laughs) I hurt your feelings, suck it up. (laughs) We don't have time to work things out anyway. Hurry up. Counseling? Are you kidding me? We accept that the joy in marriage was a fairy tale. We just need to get by. Speaking of getting by, I remember uh, several years ago, uh, Lori, her, her love language is quality time. So another, uh, for her, feeling loved uh, from me is I, I, I need to give her time. And, and I remember uh, I was working here at the Croc Center uh, for six years, as Major said, and we were starting, we, we wanted to open a center. Things were coming to a head right before opening. It was crazy. Um, I just didn't have the time. And Lori is asking me, hey, I, we just need to spend some time together. I need to share some things that are on my heart. And I, honestly, I, I said something like, babe, the kids are young. Um, just wait 18 years till they grow up, then you can have my ear. Mm-hmm. 
get over it. So, you know, unfortunately, that's what I said at the time, which, um, guys, uh, wrong, wrong answer, yeah? <laughs> so even in working for God, sometimes we can let our priorities slip. And, uh, you know, because not every day was a, a terrible argument, um, some days were okay, you know, my hard head thought that our marriage was actually pretty good, especially compared to other people. Oh, what does that sound like? Yes, that, that's another wrong answer, comparing yourself to other people. You know, later when I realized Lori really wasn't happy and she was feeling unloved, I thought something was wrong with her, so guess what I tried to do? I tried to fix her. You know, we both agreed to listen to talk radio programs. We went to countless marriage seminars. We even went to, like, marriage retreats, spent money, and, you know, had some good times. Um, but we found that we were gaining knowledge, but that we weren't, and, and some of it was actually spiritual knowledge, and we, we, we did, definitely felt the presence of the Lord, but we really weren't applying it. And having knowledge sometimes even made it worse, because guess what? We, we thought we knew what the other person should be doing, right? So, in Ephesians 5, the Word of God tells husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. And you know, that, that convicts me, and still does today, to be in pursuit of my wife. Not to smother her, but to, to pursue her with what she needs. And when this didn't happen... Uh, you know, I, I felt kind of like it was my responsibility. I had, again, I had to fix her. Um, and that verse even goes so far as to say, continue to pursue her even though she might be turning me away or, or, or might be kind of ugly. Just my role was to still pursue her. So anyway, I'm trying to fix our problems as, as something that men love to do, fix things. And I tried different relationship formulas, but nothing was working. And finally, that, that definition of insanity came to my head. You know the one that goes like this. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting the result to change. Yeah? You guys heard of that? Well, that's what kind of like hit me in the head. And uh, I finally realized that, that my way uh, wasn't working. And trying to fix Lori wasn't the right answer. I had to fix myself so Rick really has a heart for people, and he wants the best for people. And he would sometimes mentor friends um, and point them to scripture, and occasionally he would point them to counseling. And I remember telling him that we needed counseling. And bless my husband, because although I had thought about professional counseling for years, I had so many excuses that paralyzed me from taking action, from shame and embarrassment to cost, and so on. And in the end, it was Rick who stepped up, found a counselor, and made an appointment for us. So a little over a year ago, we entered marriage counseling. And it has revitalized our marriage. We've learned different, softer ways to resolve our conflicts, and that we are still on the same team. The love and fun has returned, and while we are still a work in progress, we now see that our original golden rules can be a reality. According to Dr. Jim Burns, the founder of Homeward, you know, there were two million marriages last year. And tragically, there were also one million divorces. You know, more shocking than that 50% rate is how studies show that up to two-thirds of all marriages are struggling or in trouble. 
In other words, there are married couples out there today who remain married but settle for less than God's best. They're tolerating the marriage, kind of like what we said we did, or they're actually silently suffering. They just end up being almost indifferent to certain negative things in the relationship um, instead of working it out. They end up settling. You know, this Christmas season, we believe it is God's will that he came and, and that he wants relationships to be restored to fullness of peace and joy, that we shouldn't settle for less than God's best, that we can turn it around, and there is a way. When we are struggling with something, and it could be anything, could be financial issues, health problems, addiction, insecurity, loneliness, depression, pride, anger, the devil wants us to feel like we are the only ones going through it. Mm -hmm. He does not want us to talk to others about it to get help or support. He wants us to feel ashamed and isolated, looking inward at ourselves, feeling embarrassed and guilty. And that way, he can stop us from doing God's work. But 1 Corinthians tells us, no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond what others have had to face. So that means that we all struggle with the same things. And if you bring your challenges to the light and you start talking about it, people will will help you. They will relate to you and tell you their stories. And you can get the help that you might need. Another thing I want to stress is to stop comparing yourself and your life to your friends' lives on Facebook or Instagram or other social media because for the most part, people do not display their hardships or insecurities for the world to see. Relationship experts say that there are no meaningful relationships without struggle. Let me say that again. There are no meaningful relationships without struggle. It helps us grow. You know, if you argue, know that you're not alone. Yes, uh, here's a newsflash. Married couples argue. And sometimes it can get downright nasty. Can I get a witness? Okay, wow, that's, yeah, I, I am one myself. You know, in the midst of an argument, guess what? We intentionally throw barbs at our spouses to get a reaction or to, you know, to, to kind of get them off of what they're, what they're talking about uh, to us. So we do say some mean and hurtful things. I'm not saying it's right, but it does happen. And, uh, you know, like any close family relationship, just think about your own families again. We know how to push each other's buttons, right? Um, I know I do. For example, you know, I come, out, I come from a house where my father was uh, an alcoholic. And um, my parents seemed to always be fighting. Yeah, there'd be laughter, but on most weekends, um, there was a lot of crying, a lot of fear. Uh, the police would come over to my house. And, you know, as a young child growing up, it really doesn't get more traumatic than that, the, the, the embarrassment, the shame. Uh, but that's what I grew up with. That's what I know. And Lori would say the same thing, that uh, while her father and mother were not alcoholics, they also had major conflicts. And uh, Lori shared with me that she never saw her parents resolve conflicts, never extend forgiveness, just kind of hold it back and just kind of stuff it and just, just live in that resentment. And guess what? We bring those things to this relationship. Yeah, we have the lovely golden rules, but we were never taught in our lives how to resolve uh, conflict properly in God's way. 
And look, we're not saying that what we're sharing is going to solve everyone's problems here this morning. We're here to just give you some hope that we've been through some things. We believe God has answers for every problem here, for every relationship. And um, we know that there's some deeper relationship struggles. Some of you have experienced some serious trauma in your lives. There's unforgiveness issues. There's trust issues and maybe even abuse. But we're here to say that Jesus came so that we can turn our relationships around. Guard your hearts. Let's read what it says in Galatians 5. You, my brothers and sisters, we are called, we're called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, in your selfish nature. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. And then God tells us this in Proverbs 4.23. This is a very profound scripture. Please get this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Again, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life and your relationships. You know, during your struggles, guard your heart from sinning. You know, when your relationship is struggling, uh, it can be the loneliest place in the world. When you're married and things are not going right, like Lori said, it, it, it's lonelier than when, when you're alone and, and single. It just feels like you're just in despair. And in that moment, when you feel lonely and isolated, sometimes you can become indifferent, and it can lead to sins, such as affairs and pornography. You know, these are big-time relationship killers, and we need to guard our hearts. Don't settle for less than God's best. When we are struggling in relationships, we tend to complain, and we find those who support us. For marriages, this may include people who will support us if we say we want to separate. However, if you are serious about God's best for you, which definitely includes staying with your spouse in a thriving marriage, please surround yourself with people who will support your marriage as a whole, not those who will take one side or the other. We understand that sometimes people show us love by taking our side, but that may further divide us from our spouses. So we need to be wise in the counsel that we listen to. Find strong individuals or couples who can mentor you. There are couples in our church who have long and successful marriages full of wisdom. But even those who are single or have been divorced or remarried, they can be valuable mentors. One of my closest friends, she's been through divorce and she's a single mom. And she's been through many tough times, but she has been one of our greatest cheerleaders. She sits on the sidelines and cheers for us, and she guides me through experiences and pitfalls that she has gone through. And she, she can just give me wisdom and walk me through life. I've learned so much from her. Proverbs 11:14 says, where there is no guidance, a people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And Proverbs 27 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. God has called us to live in community and to help each other so that we can do life together as his people. You know, Laurie said it before, and I'll say it again. Remember that you and your spouse are on the same team. You know, the devil, he's a great deceiver. 
He's a great liar. And what he wants us to do is he wants to deceive us into thinking our spouse is our enemy when really we are on the same team. In Ephesians, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against our spouse. It's not against your mom. It's not against your, your coworker. But it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, the unseen. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be, you may be able to stand your ground. Now, if you have a heart to strengthen marriages, God can use you to help others. Please get involved. Adopt a person or a couple. Share your lives and experiences. Now that we tell people that we're in marriage counseling, they open up and they they tell us about their own relationships and things that I think they don't even tell their closest friends and family. But we can encourage others and let them know that they are not alone, especially during the holiday season when some may be discouraged or just need someone to talk to. Also join us as we are planning to start Bible studies designed to help strengthen marriages. Volunteer, let us know that you're willing and available. For those who are like us, stubborn, and may need professional counseling, or maybe on the cusp of divorce or are struggling with deeper issues, we have the names of some resources who can help you. So come see us after church if you need more information on that. We're going to close here in a second, but let me just uh, say this. You know, our marriage relationship is a, is a living organism. You know, we have to feed it by feeding each other, making time for what our spouse needs. You know, this is a commitment we made when we got married. And rather than head down the destructive path, so many couples are heading down today. You can choose to turn it around. You know, after all this, we strongly believe that having a marriage that is full of peace and joy takes the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit. We weren't meant to go at this alone. We need God with us and in us. And it's not supposed to be easy without Him. Even for the most disciplined people, it can be hard. We need God's help to overlook being offended and to continue to love anyway. That is really Uh, something that only the Holy Spirit can help us with. 